0: Darkly Splendid Abodes, the official podcast of Toronto Thelema, exploring, if you will, practical philosophy, from science and the workings of the mind, to spirituality, esotericism, and magic. Stooping down, dipping my wings, I came into the darkly splendid abodes. Today Edward Mason and I will be discussing the role of color in magical practice, how it was employed by the Golden Dawn for use in Kabbalah, and how it was used by Aleister Crowley and Lady Frida Harris in putting together the Thoth Tarot deck. This is the first of a two-part series we'll be doing on the subject. Do it thou wilt shall be the whole of the law.
1: Love is the law. Love under will.
0: Thanks for joining me once again, Edward. So, um,
1: my pleasure.
0: Today uh, you're enjoying the monsoon season from the sounds of it, and I'm guessing things are uh, vibrantly in bloom down there.
1: uh yes, here in Central Mexico, we are getting overwhelmed by immense amounts of vegetation um i just had to deal with a poisonous centipede a few minutes ago because they're creeping (laughs) out from the woods so it's a fun time in this part of mexico
0: wonderful sounds like a lot of fun so yeah (laughs) but i guess um so today you wanted to talk a little bit about color and how that pertains to magic i would imagine
1: its uses in magic and uh, just how to look at it yes so Um, it occurred to me that we just sort of tend to take color for for granted after a while. Mm -hmm. In the system, the golden dawn-derived system, okay, Mars and everything Marshall is red. If it's to do with Jupiter and royalty, then it's blue. If it's to do with nature and Venus, well, you know, Netzach, well, then it's green and so on and so forth, and we don't really pay a lot of attention to it. Um, I think this is a mistake. I think we need to value the, the use of color in the system and to explore it a little more conscientiously than sometimes people do. Every religion, every spiritual practice uses some kind of imagery with the possible exception of Sufism or Zen. Anything else, there's an image of the deity, usually painted. We forget that both Egyptian and Greek temples had the statuary painted in bright colors. Mm-hmm. Hinduism is all about color. Um, so Mesoamerican religions, a huge amount of color usage there. It's mostly washed away, but you, with the right uh, sensitive equipment, you can detect that it's on the, the carvings and the reliefs, and so on and so on. So the, what, the system we've got here now was developed derived by um mcgregor and Moyna mathers in the at the end of the 1880s i believe using a pendulum just to or something like a ouija board or something along those lines it was not done through powerful visions of the enochian ethers or anything Mm. like that a thing that had affected color at that point was that 30 years earlier aniline dyes had been invented mostly by German uh, people. And suddenly there was a whole range of colors available that could have only been produced previously by very cautious mixing of reds and blues and greens and yellows and oranges. If you ever buy a Cadbury's chocolate bar, they're sold in North America with the same kind of wrapping that they always had in England, which is a specific aniline purple color
2: Mm -hmm. that
1: was designed purely for Cadbury's. It was created purely for Cadbury's. And it wouldn't have been possible to do this commercially in the decades before. Hmm. So the other thing is that there are various color schemes around. Crowley in Sefer Seferoth quotes a Dr. Jelinek Now, I found out that Jelinek was not a doctor. He had no academic qualifications whatsoever. He was a young Jewish man in Central Europe who obviously was a Kabbalist because he did a Kabbalistic book. And he came up with a color scheme with red and pink and white on everything. Uh, I once painted a tree of life for myself to see what this would look like. And I sat and meditated on this for about five minutes and thought, this is boring,
2: um, <laughs>
1: because there, there wasn't any of the subtlety and complexity we get with the Golden Dawn system. Now, you do find in Hebraic Kabbalah, Dr. this young fellow, Jelinek, was versed in Hebraic Kabbalah, and um, he did one book on the topic, anything else he wrote for the rest of his life, was based on totally different subjects and i don't think he revisited it all so obviously he had a teacher who had taught him this idea of red and white essences that you find in some hebraic kabbalah and he produced a tree of life i assume based on what he'd read or was taught by a teacher Um, and that was his sole contribution to um the history of Kabbalistic uh, teachings. Crowley picked up on this at some point, included it in uh, Sefer Sephiroth, just to be comprehensive, but really I think you would find that it was completely useless for practical purposes mm. related to our system.
0: Sounds like a lot of salmon color would end up coming out of the mix in that case.
1: Uh, it was, I think it was only just one shade of pink. And I, as I say, I looked at this and was doing a meditation and thinking, I don't get anything out of this. Now, obviously, there was a, a whole load of Hebraic doctrine that had not been transmitted to me that might have made a lot more sense of the, uh, the tree. Hebraic Kabbalah tends to vary a lot from our Hermetic Kabbalah, and um, you're dealing with different approaches, different concepts, and different specific doctrines. hmm Anyway, um, when you start in a mystery school, usually somebody gets you into color. Um, You learn early that there are four color scales in line with the four worlds of origins, creation, formation, and manifestation. They're usually conventionally called the king, queen, emperor, and empress scales coming down through the, the scale of things. Usually though, people ignore the Yetzeratik, the formation scale, the, um, the empress scale, and the Asiatic, the manifestation scale, the empress scale. They just get kind of brushed aside. And I think that's a shame, not because you use them much in actual invocation or ritual work, but if you do what I did, which is make yourself four trees and paint them in these colors, you realize how they descend in purity so that the king scale at the top is bright, almost pastel colors. And then you get in the queen scale, primary and secondary colors. The king scale is assigned to the connecting parts of the tree, the neti and the queen scale is applied to the sephiroth, the, the spheres or containers or vessels, the 10 of them on the, the tree. This is to do with the dynamics of the energy. It's considered to be easier to work with for beginners. So that's why that uh, particular division is made. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: then if you paint yourself another tree with the Yetzeratik colors, you see you've come down into muddier shades. So There are browns and dark greens and olive and uh, hues of that character. And then finally, when you come down into the, um, the Empress scale, the manifestation scale, you are looking at colors that are, you know, black, red with yellow, um, green with red and blue spots. And it's, a, it's an instructive teaching for yourself to look at how things move down through the world from the pure idea in the realm of origins through to some kind of conceptual formation in the Briatic world, in the the Queen scale world. And then it actually begins to enter into the world of ideas, thoughts, beliefs, philosophies, and so on and nightmares as well in the um, emperor world, the uh, Yetzeratik or formation world. And finally, you get the manifestation world where everything is very much interconnected and confused and muddled and all of that. It's a simple teaching to offer for yourself about how the whole tree system works.
0: Just to compliment what you're saying there, I was just reading the uh, um, the mystical, magical system of the AA by Jim Eshelman, and he uh, I think he puts it in in terms of uh, the Yetzeratic is where numbers exist, and then the Briatic is where number exists, the yes. concept of number.
1: Yeah, Jim is very good at uh, explaining that kind of concept. He's got a great vocabulary uh, for for doing this. I think it's one of his great contributions that he's explained the philosophical and psychological implications of the entire system throughout his various books. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's just an idea, an abstraction in the world of origins. And then in Berea, the world of creation, as he says, just number, the idea of number, quantification, then actual numbers are suddenly there in the world of formation. And quantities of stuff (laughs) exist in the manifestation world. So um, it's one of the things you need in order to be able to understand the whole system we're working with and how magic works, to get these four worlds clear in your mind. And I found painting those trees was just a very simple graphic way of looking at them and just staring at them. I didn't have to do a a meditation or a formal ritual process. It was just there in front of my eyes showing me that this is how things are in the way our experience of life comes about.
0: That sounds like a great exercise. Um,
1: It is, yeah. Usually in a mystery school, the two things you start out with are this is the planetary colors which are assigned to the Sephiroth as well as to the simply to the planets themselves. And that's black or indigo for Saturn, blue, Jupiter, red, Mars, yellow, or possibly orange for the sun, green for Venus, orange for Mercury as it manifests in Hode, orange for Mercury as it manifests in the path of the Margus at the top of the tree, and a purple color for the moon. The other thing people often start out with is the three mother letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph for air, that's yellow. Mame, the hanged man card for um, water, that's blue. And the card, the, the Thoth calls the Aeon, which is sheen, the letter sheen for fire and also sometimes for spirit, that is colored red. And that those three are the three tarot cards that are the fool, the hangman, and the aeon. And meditation on those tends to be a formative thing in a mystery school. That tends to be more or less, I think, where the colour instruction tends to fade out. It's like, okay, well, you, you you've played around with the system now. You know how it works. Yes, there are twelve zodiacal paths on the tree each with its associated tarot card and other um, correspondences Uh, go figure them out for yourself um i think it's a shame that we don't look more at the psychology of color here because when i asked myself why is it you want to talk about this what hit me is that color is a shortcut it's a quick hit Mm -hmm. if you're looking at red stuff You don't have to make a conscious decision to include Mars in your thinking and ritual work. It's there for you already constantly being indicated to subconsciousness, and that comes in. Same thing with any of the other primary colors or the, the bright secondaries like orange and purple. They communicate immediately and produce a subtle Aesthetic response the same as certain chords in in music do you know Mm -hmm. You hear a certain sequence of minor chords and you think threat or sadness. It's just automatic. It happens and then you know Neurophysiologists can go and try and work out why that is so if they want to play that game A magician doesn't need to do that. He's got the the tools in his hands with the colors that are used in the system The other thing is looking at the tarot decks, but especially the Thoth tarot. The Waite-Coleman-Smith deck, or the BOTA deck that derives very much from that, Mm -hmm. has very specific color cues included in it. A lot of bold reds, yellows, and blues, and that is meant to be very specifically instructive. Now, partly this is due to early 20th century printing methods which place certain limitations on what you could afford to print. If you had a very simple printing process, it was a lot easier to get um, the job done and a lot less expensive to get it done than if you had lots of shading going from dark reds through to purples and highlights and shadows and so forth. So the, the Thoth Tarot deck wasn't, I think, put out until the 1970s in any, any kind of coherent, understandable form. Mm-hmm. Now, with the Thoth deck, Crowley and, um ah, i forgotten a name. Remind me. Uh, Frieda, Frieda Harris. Harris. Oh, thank you. Uh, Crowley and Harris were working with all of the four scales of color so if you look at those cards, sometimes you think, why, why is that? You know, why do the the tens have a, a russet background? Well, that's one of the colours of Malkuth. Um, why sometimes you wonder there are certain odd blues and oranges and strange shades of yellowish green? And if you look at what the card and look at the planet and the zodiacal sign, that clues in where they got this from. Now, it's understood that those colors are working automatically, triggering an automatic subconscious reaction in somebody who's at least from the the Western world, if we can still use that term, somebody who's not particularly imbued with the Hindu, Taoist, Buddhist perspectives. Um, so we automatically relate to certain visual triggers in the tarot cards. But it's instructive to just go through one of those pip cards and see which colors have been pulled out and chosen as opposed to the others. Because if mm-hmm. you've got a planet and there would be <clears throat> a, a connecting path with the four scales somewhere on the tree for that, uh, and there's a zodiacal path as well also with the four scales so you've got eight different colors to choose from um there might also be with a pip card the sephirothic four colors there's 12 colors to mix in there and looking at how the card was put together not just in terms of composition or the suggestiveness of the imagery but what the color suggests to the mind is really significant in understanding how that deck works and what it is trying to communicate. So I think what the the real thing with color is that it opens us. It produces a a welter of half-noticed emotional reactions, and it works on the corners of our minds, the little back spaces, and directs our consciousness to new experience. And I think that is where we need to pay a little more respectful attention to color in our mystery system.
0: Now, yeah, you mentioned the, uh, the idea of making your own four versions of the Tree of Life with the respective colors in the different scales. And... Uh, you also mentioned the BOTA deck, which I think it's really cool that they have the uh, the Trumps. Uh, I don't I don't believe they do the entire deck, just the Trumps, but uh, they have them without any colors, so that you can do the colors in yourself, which is a a really great touch. But I guess, of course, that uh, that would necessitate probably having relatively simpler colors in in the scheme of things than what appear in the Thoth deck.
1: Yeah, if I have a Criticism of the BOTA deck, and it's a mild criticism because I have a great respect for what uh, Paul Foster Case and Ann Davis did with their system. Uh, it's very prescriptive. When you get the uh, the lessons explaining the cards, this color represents X, and this person's arm is at 60 degrees, which means that refers to all the letter Samek, mm-hmm. which is uh, equivalent to 60 in Gematria. Um, the Thoth deck is much more subversive.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. There's levels in there that you you can't really describe that well, but have been rather ingeniously um, developed. Yeah, the the Thoth deck is much more suggestive, whereas the BOTA deck, while it is suggestive, you're given the things that you're supposed to. You know, it's a crossword, whereas the Thoth deck is more like a surrealist painting. Mm-hmm. You're looking at it and thinking, I think I kind of get what's being done here, but I'm not entirely certain. You know, what what is a soft watch anyway? It says something about the malleability of time, but there's more to it than that. Um, and that the other thing, of course, with the Thoth deck is that it was developed over a period of f- four, maybe five years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think there's a quote somewhere from Pamela Coleman Smith that she did the original Ride Awake deck in a few weeks. And you know, I just did a very big job for a very small amount of money. Mm-hmm. And we assume that was the, the, uh, that particular deck. It was done in maybe a couple of months. 78 cards done. And of course she was creating the first pip cards that had illustrations as opposed to simply the the pips on them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Before it was just cups, disks or coins, wands and and swords on there. Um the BOTA deck just shifts, changes, refines, purifies and makes more specific some of the stuff there. It also reverts a little bit to the esoteric teachings the Golden Dawn had that Waite didn't feel he could entirely put into a deck being released to the public. Thoth deck, um, you know, Crowley's attitude always was mystery is the enemy of truth. So let's put it all out there. And uh, only those who are really alert and awake are gonna get what's being communicated anyway. But if you're working on something artistically over four or five years, then, you know, one day in April, it's, you know, you're gonna have a completely different concept of what you want to do with the card than you would have had if you'd done it back in March. And I think there's an extraordinary range of styles in the Thoth deck. You see the sort of geometrical patternings of the um, both the star card and the tower. You see others that are much more almost pre-Raphaelite. Um, five of cups or seven of cups perhaps might come in like that. I'm trying to think of examples here. Or something like the four of disks, which is dominion. No, it's not dominion. Power, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I should I know this stuff, but I just need to be sure all the audience do as well. Um, and you're just looking down on this um, square sh- architecture of some sort of ca- rudimentary castle, very simple concept. but the mere idea <clears throat> of instead of doing a castle on the hill, as seen from below, you're looking down on it mm-hmm. implies all of that Hasidic sense of control over the material plane. You're looking right down, you're, you're dominating. Um, they played around with all kinds of things like that in the Thoth deck that
2: you
1: know, the BOTA or other people didn't really want to do. There was much more flexibility in the thinking, <clears throat> much more willingness to scrap six weeks of work, even if Frida Harris <laughs> must have had a horrible time with this and then come up with a new concept.
0: Well, I guess it's natural enough for there to be uh, an evolution from deck to deck, especially if the Rider-Waite deck was sort of the template for the modern tarot card, um, in that sense. And then from there, I mean, even the BOTA deck, there's there's a difference in there's a difference in some of the color attributions uh, from deck to deck as well. I mean, maybe most of them may stay fairly consistent, but they're uh, I think, for instance, uh, in the BOTA deck um i think michael the angel the archangel michael is yellow instead of red in other decks right. and that sort of thing
1: uh you might be right i work so little with other other decks now i don't think i've really gone through a deck other than the Thoth deck in mm-hmm. five or six years i'll take your word on that one um it's just a different approach with the, the BOTA system that is, now BOTA went beyond what the golden dawn had taught. Case had made his own contact with his own source. This master R was getting very specific instruction, very coherent instruction. You know, Case is one of the most coherent of occult writers, even though there are always a lot of implications and little hints in his writing. If you, pay attention um thoth deck just goes you know whole hog it's like you know we've, we've peeped over the abyss and it's kind of like this <laughs> and you're looking at stuff thinking i have no idea what i'm looking at here mm-hmm.
0: but it's fascinating. the uh thoth deck is a very explosive deck um there's some cards in it that are a little more tame by comparison to some others but uh in general especially with the trumps there's a lot of explosive kind of kinetic energy going on with a lot of the imagery involved.
1: That's the case, yeah. Um, I think one of the things that preoccupied Crowley, he, he doesn't say a lot about the destruction of civilization, but he does actually use that phrase in a couple of places. He felt that the society we had and still have would tumble down. It would not last in any coherent form. And he wanted there to be a whole load of clues and signifiers and suggestive information so that as the new Aeon finally began to really assert itself, people would be able to find this take those clues, it would trigger the ideas in their minds, it would open them to inspiration, and the mysteries could restart, even if everything that he'd ever written was lost. I think that's one reason why he produced so much writing. It was like, let's leave stuff all over the place. Mm -hmm. Surely in some ruined library somewhere, two of my books will survive. Somebody will find them and go, this is interesting, and um, off you go. And I think the deck was probably his last, well, one of the two last things he did to make that possible. Mm-hmm. The other was the uh, collection of letters that we, we know as Magic Without Tears, which was compiled after his death. He uh, It was intended for publication, but hadn't got that far along. The Thoth deck was a way of communicating the mysteries visually, and he realized the power of that He just had never dared try earlier, and he hadn't found an artist who was willing to put up with him and also who had the ability to think outside the box. You know, Frida Harris was into uh, co-masonry and had other esoteric interests. She was already, you know, she had a foot in the door there, Um, and she was able to, A, handle Crowley as a person, and B, grasp something of what he was about um, in terms of his philosophies. I don't know whether he became better at explaining the basics to people at the end of his life, or finally just there were people who came out of the woodwork after the aeon had been going for nearly 40 years who were prepared to take major steps to support it. She happened to be an artist um, who was capable of thinking outside of Aristotelian categories. You know, time didn't have to be consecutive. Space is not anywhere near as rigidly measurable as we'd always thought until Einstein and so on. I mean, I keep a re- reproduction of one of her paintings uh, in my living room just to remind me of that stuff from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, Color and image really were key tools that I think Crowley wanted to employ to say here is something that people will be able to pick up on in the future.
0: Thank you for joining us. Look for Toronto Thelema on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Watch for events in the city and join us again in the darkly splendid abodes.